It's great to have you with us from wherever you're tuning in from. For more information about Elevate Church or to contact us, head to our website elevatechurch.me and take us wherever you go by downloading our Elevate Church AU app. We hope this message inspires and helps you to take your next steps in your journey. Well, good morning. Not only is it Mother's Day, happy Mother's Day to the mums here. It's also the fifth, oh, I've got a gift for you, Marianne. Don't leave home without it. Uh, fifth and final week of our series, Follow Me, which is a bittersweet um, because we've been talking about Jesus. And who doesn't like talking about Jesus? Learning from Him, being inspired by Him, and uh, focusing our hearts, our minds on Him. Brilliant. So, you know, we're going to keep talking about Jesus, but just like this is specifically uh, about Jesus, this series. So if you missed any of the first four weeks, you can catch up on that. Uh, head to the podcast in particular, and uh, we'll be there. Now, question. Anybody, do you know anybody who has a PhD in making excuses? Anyone thinking of their kids right now? Yep. All right. Yeah, I know you are. <laughs> and look, some, over the years, we've gotten sort of creative in making excuses. I mean, there was a time in the late 1900s, if you're a student, you might tell your teacher, the dog ate my homework. These days, telling your teacher the dog ate your iPad is slightly less plausible, okay? just doesn't go across. Maybe your boss, you know, you're late for work. Again, late 1900s, you could have said to your boss, oh, yeah, sorry I'm late. Uh, the power went off at my house overnight and I woke up and it was daylight in my bedroom and my clock radio was blinking 12.00, Anyone remember those? days. Yes, you do. Well, smartphones have robbed you of that excuse now because they just kind of keep going. Speaking of smartphones robbing us of excuses, we don't celebrate daylight saving here in the great nation of Australia anymore. We used to and in other parts of the world they do. And so twice a year, you could have told your boss, I forgot to reset my clock one hour. So, you know, I'm late, but of course our phones auto-adjust these days. Traffic's taken off the table as well because you tell your boss, I'm late for work because of traffic and your boss says, you know there's an app for that, right? Uh, yeah, all right. I like this one. I like the self-awareness and, and honesty of this one telling their boss why they're late. We'll likely be a little late because of who I am as a person. I mean, just go full disclosure there if you're gonna tell your boss, at least be honest, right? When it comes to following Jesus, excuses can actually be a lid to experiencing greater freedom. And it's this idea of experiencing greater freedom that I want to focus on today. So speaking of smartphones, how about you grab your smartphone, pop over in the camera and scan this flow code. It's going to take you to Luke chapter 9. So Luke's one of the four biographers of Jesus' life here on this earth. Um, and this chapter 9 is quite significant and quite unique uh, in that it actually begins what's become known as the travel narratives. Luke starts writing from this point in his biography uh, about Jesus and his followers' journey from Galilee to Jerusalem. Now, Jesus would actually ultimately arrive in Jerusalem, and that's actually when and where He would be uh, sentenced to death, hung on a cross to die. But while He was on this journey, nobody knew that. 
They didn't know that was going to be his deal. In fact, all they knew is this guy, Jesus, was coming to town. Like the word was out. Jesus is about to be passing by. And he was this kind of, he was on the rise. He had this star status that was growing and growing all the time. People wanted to get near him. People wanted to see him, wanted to listen to him. Wanted, and, and they not just wanted to get near him, but they wanted to kind of ride this train of momentum as well. That whatever Jesus, because they actually expected, and this had been a, a centuries old expectation, that Jesus was actually headed to Jerusalem to become the new king, that he would somehow overthrow the occupying Roman uh, government and that he would actually install himself as the new king of the Jews in Jerusalem and usher in a new sort of mega power for the Israelites, which they'd once enjoyed, but they'd since lost. So that was this expectation says like, well, mate, Jesus, if you're going to be the new king of the Jews in Jerusalem, I want to ride that same train with you. So that's kind of the context. And so Jesus said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, and they're like, yeah, 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 that's why I'm here, yeah, yeah. Uh, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try hang, to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll find it. I'm pretty sure, I don't know this for a fact, I'm pretty sure there was a little bit of selective hearing going on in this point that actually some of the people gathered only heard the first half of the first sentence. If any of you wants to be a follower, yep, yeah, it's me, yeah, come in, I'm in, I'm in. But Jesus starts to talk to these people gathered around Him that greater freedom is found in surrendering. Now, now let me say that again, because I want you to think about that for a moment. Because on the surface, it makes absolutely no sense. Greater freedom is found in surrendering. But the reason that makes no sense is because we think of surrendering as a war metaphor. Where if you surrender in the war, you don't get greater freedom, you get less freedom. You, in fact, in some cases give up your freedom entirely. But this wasn't a war metaphor. This was a nobility metaphor. This is Jesus saying is, when you say yes to the invitation to follow me, here's what's happening. You used to live as a citizen of the world. I'm inviting you to move in and become a citizen of the kingdom. You used to be out there in the wild. I'm inviting you to live inside the court of the king and not as a servant and not as a slave, but as sons and daughters to actually enjoy and, 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 and have access to the sorts of things that sons and daughters of the king have access to. Surrender living as slaves to small thinking and start to experience the freedom that can be found in thinking like a king thinks. Surrender your need to control everything. Hello, somebody. And gain access to the keys to the kingdom that have more control than you could ever 
dream of, open more doors than you can ever imagine. Surrender trying to achieve everything that you've dreamt and hoped for and prayed for in your own strength and gain access to a strength that you can't even imagine how powerful that strength is. So as they're walking along, someone said to Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. All right. But Jesus replied, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests. But the Son of Man has no place even to lay his head. This guy's writing Jesus a blank check. I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus, wherever that is, fill in the blank. And, and Jesus goes full disclosure on him and says, you know what? When you follow me, you won't even know where I'm leading you a lot of the time. Because we're just going. Like we're not going to a fixed address. We're just going. And you're following me just trusting that I'm leading you to somewhere higher and better. To which we can go, uh, wait, what? And kind of ask for the check back. We'll put a few conditions on it. You know, I'll follow you if can be the excuse. We, we, we're tempted to start negotiating. You know, when we, when we discover that we won't always know where Jesus is leading us or why, we can start negotiating. And we negotiate all the time in life. I'm not just talking about business. I'm not just talking about it, Harvey Norman trying to get a better deal on the television. No, we know. Take marriage, for example. <clears throat> Some people say marriage should be 50-50. That's rubbish. Marriage should be 100-100. Like both bring everything you got. Okay, that's the spirit of marriage. However, the logistics of marriage can be approached with some sort of 50-50 expectation. I mean, take division of labor. I'm sure many of you in your, that, are, that are married here, many of you have a very, very, very clearly defined and very equal 50-50 division of labor in your marriage. I'm sure you do, because most people do. Of course they do. What about wardrobe storage? Because this is how it goes, at least in my experience. You get married, you move into the house together, and the husband naively assumes that half of the wardrobe space belongs to him. So he puts his stuff in, his two pairs of jeans, his one shirt and one jacket, and, you know, great. What he soon discovers is that his share of the real estate in the wardrobe decreases by a minimum of 10% per annum to the day where he even wonders if there's room to slide in a shirt. We solved this with our new extension by installing his or her and her separate wardrobes, which thankfully, so far, it's only been two years, haven't, have yet to become hers and hers wardrobes. So, all right, I'm, I'm standing my ground here, people. But having said that, that's a win. There is the issue of towel racks in our, in our master ensuite. So 
Okay, we're designed with, in architect, this extension, great, great, great. And uh, you get to choose everything. Like, you know, work with architect, you can choose everything. And so one of the strokes of genius that I thought I had landed on was the, the towel rack situation. Like, two's not going to be enough, and five is just ridiculous. So I went with three. And the thinking behind three towel racks is one towel rack for Marco, one towel rack for Louis, and one towel rack for the bath mat. Great. Finish it, hang it over, air it out, dry for the next person. Beautiful. Two weeks later, I go in to take a shower and I notice one towel rack for Marco, one towel rack for Louis' first towel, and one towel rack for Louis' second towel. And from that day forward, finding the bath mat is like, it's like an Easter egg hunt every single morning. Two weeks ago, so, so now we're like, the division of real estate on our towel racks is 33, 66, and then 1% to the bath mat. Two weeks ago, I step out of the shower and I, I discover one towel rack for Louis' first towel, one towel rack for Louis' second towel, and one towel rack for Louis' third towel. I no longer even had any remaining real estate for my towel. Not good. So we had to re-enter a period of negotiation. But it, it's tempting to try to negotiate things with God when we think we know better or deserve better or when we're not even sure if he's going to come through. You know, like this one. God, I will, if you deal with my crabby boss, then I'll start bringing my best to my workplace. Uh, if you bless me with a raise, then I'll start giving. And then this list can go on, if. I'll follow you if. I'll do this if. I'll obey if. Jesus said back to this guy, following me is actually a journey of faith over certainty. It's actually trusting in Jesus rather than trusting in circumstances. And in fact, someone's growth trajectory, and I'd put this out as an aspirational goal for every single one of us that our commitment to following Jesus isn't a commitment to I'll follow you if, but rather a next level commitment to I'll follow you even if. Like it's an unqualified. God, I, I, I pray that you bless me with my finances, though even if they continue to be a struggle, I will follow you. Jesus, I'm praying for a new and better job. Though even if that takes longer than I would like, I will continue to front up and bring my best. I'm praying for greater understanding of my current circumstances. Though even if I don't get full clarity, I'll continue to trust you and follow you. 
And when you get to that place, I'll follow you even if you recognize that you're now living a life surrendered, not sitting at the table negotiating. And it's surrendered to better and to higher and to greater freedom. And this is my pro tip. Don't come to Jesus with your list. Come to Jesus with your heart. He said to another person, this is Jesus, come follow me. And the man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. Anyone here struggle with procrastination? This came up on one of my favourite IG accounts a couple of weeks ago. 10 a.m., we got this one. 10 a.m., anything is possible. 2 p.m., but not today. Started out on my to-do list, but isn't even any longer on my today list. And this can be a thing. So this is, let me, let me go back to it, and, but let me, this goes even further. Jesus said to another person, come follow me. And the man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Hello, your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of God. <clears throat> I'm gonna just unpack this because, well, I'm gonna unpack this. Before I do, just let me highlight one thing. Whenever, sorry, if ever, your commitment to Jesus, to follow Him, includes the words, but first, Think of that as a warning light. Because Jesus, when He asks us to follow Him, He's asking to be first. And if at any point we say, but first, it's a warning line. I'm gonna come back to that. But look, come on. We're all reasonably rational people here. This seems like a reasonable request from the guy. And it seems like a pretty unreasonable response from Jesus. Like, Because if Jesus said you, you can't go to your dad's funeral, you'd be like, uh, uh, well, Jesus, I, I'll come back to you on that one. But the customs of this time would likely suggest that his, his dad's not actually dead yet and that what he was telling Jesus he needed to do was to go back to the home, his homeland, the land of his father, and just get things in order. Maybe he'd heard that his father was ailing, or just in general, he was getting older. And so it was customary for the, the son to go back to the, the father's uh, house and, and you know square away any debts that maybe existed, make sure the business was all uh, lined up so it could be passed on to the next generation. Just get every, every one of the affairs in order so the dad would know that when his time came, that everything was taken care of. This, however, this process, however, this could take six months, 12 months, five years, 10 years, depending. No one knew. And so it's sort of implied in this, uh, Lord, but first let me return home to bear Father. He's like, look, I'll be back to follow you, but I, I just can't promise when. And Jesus is saying, no, no, no. 
I don't actually buy the excuse, I'll follow when. I'm wanting to see you follow me now. Oh, I'll follow you when I get a few more levels up the corporate ladder. But first, I need to focus on my career. I'll follow you when I meet the right person. But first, I need to spend my time Sunday mornings, flirty fishing, flirt and convert, doing it for Jesus. I'll follow you when my kids are more independent. But first, we need to go to the 17 sports that we've signed up for. I'll follow you when I get my life together. But first, I need to just sit and soak. And not no, 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 you actually, following Jesus causes all these other things to get into line. You want to get your life together? Follow Jesus. It's not, but first, let me get my life together. So we have... Uh, here at Elevate, what we call Elevate Essentials. I haven't spoken about this for a while. So some of you, this will be news to you. It's a refresher for some others. But we, we actually intentionally have a very simple approach as a church. We have very intentionally, very few moving parts. We don't have a lot of programs and courses and events and ministry activities and this and that to where everyone's exhausted and everyone's like the only people you know are other Christians from your church and you don't know any unchurched or de-churched people. We avoid most of that, okay? I'm not criticizing any churches that do that. I'm just saying that's not our approach. In our approach, we talk about narrowing the focus, do fewer things in order to have a greater impact. And we like to think that the things we focus on, we actually punch above our weight because we're giving them the priority. So we have five Elevate Essentials. The first one, now you're here today, so me talking about our live experience probably sounds a little bit antithetical. Yeah, I'm here, right? Move on. Uh, nevertheless, <laughs> and we, we've got our online experience and we've talked them today, the people that are joining there are going to find out, you know, that's great and valid. But if you live in the Perth metro area, then coming together really, really matters. And one of the things that we can miss is like, well, you know, yeah, okay, I can still worship at home and yeah, I can still listen to the podcast in the car on the way to work. But what about the people that God wants you to impact that you can only impact if you're here on deck here on deck, the conversation that God wants you to have with somebody, the, the person He wants you to pray with, the person He wants you to encourage, the first time guest He wants you to welcome. You don't get that listening to Spotify or our podcast. So again, those are brilliant tools. I, I'm using them absolutely. They're backup tools though. So this is, this is super, super important to prioritize being physically Oh, but I'd attend more regularly. But first, I need a little more margin in my life. Mm. Now, the second one is, is serving and joining an, an Elevate team. Well, but first, I need to be fed. Uh, you know, actually serving is one of the ways we grow and God allows us to grow. Then we have Elevate groups. Now, Elevate groups meet up typically every couple of weeks somewhere um, and uh, one of the things, you know, it's about building deep-spirited friendships and being on the journey together. And it's about not sitting in rows looking at the back of someone's head and this beautiful face. It's about gathering in circles and actually looking at each other and doing life together, okay? So that's 
That is a super, super. Now, these are the first three. I'm not, not going to hit the fourth one yet. But these are the first three. Now, let me give you an example of why these things matter. Several years ago, probably about four years ago, uh, we were just about to start our live experience. Starts at 10. Some of you, I realize, don't know that. Starts at 10. And uh, about 9.57, I was walking here. You know, I'm doing the rounds, you know, doing the rounds, doing the things. And right here in this seat, there's this very tall gentleman. That's why I kind of why I noticed him. Super tall. Like, it looked like he was standing, but he was actually sitting. That's how tall it was. So he's there. And, it, and I'd never seen him before. So, you know, I'm here most every Sunday. I kind of know who's here for the first time. So I'm like, hi, how you doing? Uh, I'm Mark. Who are you? First time? Oh, great. So I say, you know, just tell me your story. Like, it's 9.57. I said, just give me this, the condensed version. Uh, we're on the clock. And he says, oh, you know, my name's such and such. And uh, I'm here because uh, the, the person that leads the church that I've been part of recommended I come to Elevate. And I'm like, oh, did you move from interstate or intercountry? No, no, just like a few suburbs away. Uh, and I'm like, this is, okay, keep talking. He says, yeah, uh, my wife and I, have just separated and we were part of the same church together. It was like a we church. And then that because we're separated, this that wasn't going to work out. And so the leader of the church, she knows you. And so she knew that, you know, Elevate would be a great church for me. And so she recommended you come, that I come here. And, uh, and I'm like, wow, okay. I said, so like, is, is there a possibility for you to get back uh, with your wife? Like, is that, is, you know, is that, and he says, no. It's, it's a done deal. He says, I'm an alcoholic. Um, she's given me two, like, second chances, and this was the third one, and it's three strikes, and you're out. So it's, it's, it's game over. Okay. So well, I'm sorry to hear that, um, but I'm glad you're here, and uh, I still, you know, trust and believe God's going to have great things for you in, in your life, and, you know, welcome. Like, so 10 o'clock. This particular gentleman... Uh, for the next year and change, essentially didn't miss a single Sunday and he was here at 9.57 in this same seat for over a year. He joined one of our Elevate groups and he was there every time they met, every two weeks and they encouraged him and prayed for him and got around him. He joined an Elevate team even in his brokenness and messiness and in all the reasons that one would think is he should just sit. He actually, no, I'm going to serve. And he wanted to serve people with needs. And I'm like, you know, that's you, right? And he's like, yeah, but like... Now, all the while he was, he was going to counselling, every week him and his separated wife, he was loving the teaching from Elevate so much, like, yay, Elevate, that they would actually listen to the podcast separately and then they would get together at a coffee shop and have an Elevate group, <laughs> just the two of them, and talk about what God was kind of saying. And after just over a year of doing these things without fail, he said to me, Mark, uh, I'm, I'm moving on from Elevate. And I'm like, oh, Great. Well, that was a waste of resources. We want our coffee back. And he said, yeah, my wife and I are getting back together and I'm moving back to the church that I came from and, and God's restored our marriage and I've given up the booze and uh, I, he was unemployed. He's got, he, he got two new jobs. 
And I'm like, But let me tell you this, I'm almost absolutely convinced that wouldn't have happened if all of these things were not first on his list. Now, giving, oh, I'll give, but first. And then investing and inviting. And if, when we launched this series, week one, we looked at a tax collector named Matthew that Jesus called to follow him. And after saying yes to Jesus, the very next thing he did was invite his very sinful friends to meet Jesus as well. And it's like, but I'll, I'll invite, but first I need to learn the Bible like by memory. I need to be as clued up on the Bible as Mark Pomery. Well, look, that's never gonna happen. Okay, surrender that fantasy. <laughs> and another said, yes, Lord, I'll follow you. All right, say, so, you know, people don't get on this train to Jerusalem, the train to glory. But first, there it is. Hello, warning light. Bing, bing, bing. Another one, but first, let me say goodbye to my family. <laughs> Seems reasonable, right? Heading off to Jerusalem with Jesus, King Jesus. Coronation concerts already begun. But Jesus told him, anyone who puts a hand to the plow and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. And look, if you've ever read this and you've thought to yourself, huh, me too. And I'm not certain that Jesus wasn't saying, you know, kiss mom and dad goodbye, but rather that there's this particular individual who had a tendency to look backwards. Oh, remember the good old days? Have you ever found yourself romanticizing about the good old days? But when you're in them, they were just old days. They weren't so good. You were praying prayers of desperation back in the good old days. See, if we allow ourselves to keep looking back, there's a temptation to start going back. And yet Jesus is moving forward. So inherent to the, to the, to the, the, the invitation, come follow me, is forward movement, not spending life looking through the romantic rear view Mirror, I'll follow, but back there. We talk a lot about de-churched people here at Elevate. I think we might have even made that word up. I don't know. But we talk about de-churched people as a specific category of individual who used to be part of a church. And then for, for some reason, they found themselves in a, in a place in life where they weren't part of a church and we love when they walk in here. Louie and I started leading here 13 years and change ago. We were, lead, we were living in Melbourne at the time and God spoke to me to say, move back to Perth and I'm going to give you a church to lead and it's going to be a safe place for de-churched people to dip their toes back in the water. Those are the words. And I was like, okay. So we moved back. We didn't have a church. We didn't have any interviews lined up, nothing. It's just like one-way ticket with Perth and trust that Jesus got something for us. And we were de-churched at the time. So here's, here's the little fun fact in the midst of it. See, I, I'd been, well, Louie and I had been blown out of the water by a very ugly set of circumstances in a church. And we didn't lose our faith in Jesus, but we lost a lot of faith in the church. So we prefer to sit on the sidelines. It's safer. And... Uh, 
we came here and eventually, you know, started leading and so on and so forth. Um, and some of you, by the way, I know have been de-churched and you were de-churched because you got blown out of the water by your own set of circumstances and you dipped your toes back in the water and, you know, anyone can stand there telling you it's nice once you're in, but you don't believe that. You need to find out for yourself. And you're like, oh, actually. And see, we're never going to judge you if you tell us your story is that you were de-churched at once in your circumstance because we were too. We get it. It happens. But here's the thing. When I meet a de-church person, I ask the same question that I asked old mate over there. Tell me your story. And sometimes it's, you know, if they say it's them, I'm de-church. They don't use the words. It's, it's a fancy word. But, uh, you know, I was part of a church. And then they might tell, us, tell me a blowing out of the water story. And I'll be like, yeah, all right. And we have a scar measuring competition. I mostly win that. Anyway. Um, <sighs> but here's what I found. Actually, a large percentage of the de-churched people that I meet and hear this story actually weren't blown out of the water. They just kind of waded casually out of the pool from the direction that they came in. They, they kind of started looking backwards and then it became moving backwards. Yeah, you know, I started hanging out with some of my old scaly mates again and before I knew it, I found myself doing some of the same dumb things I used to do. A few years have gone by and I'm like, oh, here I am again. Going back to church. Um, and so this is this idea. If you're following Jesus, keep your eyes on Him, but know this, He is going to lead you forward, not backwards. And so rather than kiss your mom and dad goodbye, how about you invite them <laughs> to come as well, is the pro move. We really hope you got a lot out of this message. If you live in the Perth area, we'd love for you to join one of our live experiences. For times and directions, as well as information, head to our website, elevatechurch.me. For those of you beyond the Perth area, we'd love for you to connect with our online experience, which premieres every Sunday via YouTube and Facebook Live, and on demand immediately after. And to partner with us to reach more people by giving financially, head to our website, elevatechurch.me and also download our Elevate Church AU app.